This is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Support for the legislature today is provided by West Virginia University, offering education, health care, and the opportunity to achieve career success since 1867. Information at go.wvu.edu slash forward. Welcome to the Legislature. Today, I'm Randy Yoey. One resolution and two bills on third reading in the House today dealt with helping preserve West Virginia history, increasing health for the coalfields economy, and alcohol at community festivals. Officials with the New River Gorge National Park and Preserve have sparked concerns over the possible demolition of some historic properties. House Resolution 6 passed. It reaffirmed support for the town of Thurman, located in the heart of the park, along with the historic buildings within the community and the strong coal mining history associated with it. Delegate Elliot Pritt, a Republican from Fayette County, spoke on the need for legislative support. Many of the structures from the original town of Thurman still stand in very sharp contrast to the other coal mining communities in the area. They're overrun, most of the structures are gone. When the National Park took control of this area, we were under, we, we understood and believed that they were going to be preserving our history, our heritage, these structures, and now they have a plan to demolish over half of the remaining structures in the town of Thurmond, which is now in the National Park, because of budget cuts. On third reading, Senate Bill 354 establishes the West Virginia Advanced Energy and Economic Corridor Authority. This King Coal Highway bill calls for yet another legislative effort to help diversify coal field economies and enhance economic development. Delegate Stephen Green, a Republican from McDowell County, spoke on how desperately that help is still needed. We have to look at other avenues of prosperity for us currently and for our children and grandchildren. Tourism, which we are trying to cultivate in the southern counties by itself, is not the answer. We have to look at many different industries and opportunities. Senate Bill 354 passed 80 to 20 and goes to the Senate. Finally, House Bill 5295 allows the community's private outdoor designated area meant for strolling alcohol consumption to simultaneously host multiple qualified permit holders, such as concerts and festivals. The bill passed 70 to 28 and also now goes to the Senate. Today, the Senate passed seven bills. Six of those bills head to the House for consideration, one heads to the governor's desk. The bills dealt with issues on landowner liability, retirement plans, and burglary. The bill headed to the governor's desk streamlines West Virginia's science, technology, engineering, and mathematics scholarship programs. The Senate advanced over 10 other bills. The education committees of both chambers started the week off by advancing bills to improve management of local school districts. Chris Schultz has more. West Virginia Code tends to favor local control of schools via county boards of education. But in recent years, the State Board of Education has deemed it necessary to step in to address financial and administrative issues in several counties. 
House Bill 5514 would enhance the training requirements for county boards of education members from the current seven hours to 12 hours. The bill's lead sponsor, Delegate Joe Statler, a Republican from Monongalia County, told the House Education Committee Monday afternoon that more training should better prepare elected board of education members to hold administrators accountable and reduce the need for state intervention. They run for these school boards and they believe they have a good handle on it. And trust me, I served on 10 years until you're actually sitting in that seat and start taking on these things, you really do not have a good understanding. And sometimes after that, you still don't have a good understanding. The bill was advanced to the full House for its consideration. Another House bill aimed at improving accountability was taken up by the Senate Education Committee Tuesday morning. House Bill 4832 requires the state superintendent to make an annual report to the Legislative Oversight Commission on Education Accountability regarding the finances of each school district. The Senate Education Committee also considered Senate Bill 515, which prohibits public schools from requiring students to participate in sexual orientation instruction. However, as Senate Education Counsel Amy Osgood explained to the committee, the bill has further requirements regarding students' gender identity. It also provides that a public school and county void employees that are um, assigned to the school may not knowingly give false information or misleading information to the parent, custodian, or guardian of the student regarding the student's gender or identity or their intent to transition to a gender that is different than the sex listed on the student's official birth certificate or a certificate that is issued upon adoption. The bill also allows for parents and guardians to bring civil action against the public school if impacted by a violation of the new law. The bill was advanced without discussion or comment, with a reference to the Judiciary Committee. For the Legislature Today, I'm Chris Schultz in Morgantown. Today was E-Day at the Capitol, where environmental organizations gathered to speak to lawmakers. Solar power and community air monitoring were the main topics of discussion. Curtis Tate has this story. Environment Day brought a number of groups and speakers to the rotunda. Some advocated for an expansion of solar power in West Virginia. Others pushed back on an industry-backed bill to limit the use of community air monitoring data. Pam Nixon of the West Virginia NAACP explained her opposition to House Bill 5018. The DEP, the West Virginia Department of Environmental Protection, only has 18 air monitors across the state. Many of the low-income and communities of color are the ones that are subjected to more air pollution than others. And we feel that the purple monitors or the citizen monitors should be useful in gathering data when it comes to air pollution, especially for PM or particulate matter 2.5 microns or smaller, because those are the ones that get down into the deepest part of the lungs and cause the most damage. Leah Barber of Solar United Neighbors came to support House Bill 5422 and Senate Bill 638. Both bills would expand and protect solar power in West Virginia. Senate Bill 638 would enable community solar programs in West Virginia and effectively what that bill would do would allow people who don't have solar or can't go solar for whatever reason on their roof, maybe they rent or the roof is shaded, um, there are many reasons, but it would allow those folks who can't otherwise put solar on their roof to benefit from solar energy projects um, that would be it located within their community. Um, House Bill 5422 um, would preserve the integrity of the one-to-one -one full retail credit 
And so what that means is that when solar owners are producing more than they consume, they put that out, they put that energy back onto the grid, they would receive the full credit, um, the same amount that the power company goes and sell that credit for to their um, electric bill. So essentially what they would be putting out is exactly what they would be getting back. Why is that under threat? It's under threat right now at the Public Service Commission. Um, First Energy subsidiaries, Mon Power and Potomac Edison, have proposed to effectively cut that rate in half. State and local environmental advocates welcomed a special guest Tuesday, Adam Ortiz, the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency Administrator for Region 3. Ortiz says the EPA has invested half a billion dollars in West Virginia during the Biden presidency. That money has gone toward improving water and wastewater systems and cleaning up abandoned coal mines and industrial sites. It's not just cleaning up the stuff in the past, but preparing this infrastructure for the future. So it's hard to attract a hotel to a community if you don't have strong water systems, both drinking water and wastewater. So we're partnering with localities, partnering with the state, because we want to help West Virginia open its next chapter of revitalization. And, you know, cleaning up the old stuff is part of that process. Ortiz praised the students who came to the Capitol to make their voices heard. We're surrounded by young people that are here, and they're, you know, sharing ideas and tabling. So one of the important things that we're doing is also just cheering on the next generation. You know, some of us, you know, only have so many years right left now. as they go right now. <laughs> and, um, you know, and they're the future. So, you know, our job and our generation is to do the best that we can uh, to help, you know, leave this place better than we found it uh, and to hand it off to them. So we're really cheering on uh, the, the young people, the, the universities and the schools for their environmental programs because they're going to have the baton before too long. With weeks remaining in the session, environmental advocacy groups got right back to work. For the legislature today, I'm Curtis Tate. The House of Delegates Democratic Caucus announced it will have weekly Tuesday press conferences from today until the end of the regular session. Oppositions to the Women's Bill of Rights still leads their agenda of policies against extremism. Delegate Kayla Young from Kanawha County expressed pride for the Women's Bill of Rights amendment that Democrats presented. She said the amendment opened up reproductive health care so women could make their own decisions. That amendment was rejected except for a marital rape clause. But Young said some elements of her alternative bill remain in other proposals. We have um, HJR, it's a House Joint Resolution 27 that would put back on the ballot the right to reproductive freedom that we've seen in Kentucky, that we've seen in Ohio, that voters, even in conservative states, have overwhelmingly supported because they don't want the government in their bedrooms, in their doctor's offices, making their decisions for them. Delegate Anitra Hamilton from Monongalia County said the Democrat Women's Bill of Rights Amendment offered implicit bias with health care workers. Um, far too long we have seen many inequities in our health care um, that has resulted in increased death and illnesses, increased hospital bills, especially amongst women of color. Um, and disadvantaged groups. Um, women of color and these biases are represented through um, just um, examples of um, women of color having thicker skin, women of color having an increased tolerance of pain. All of these biases have resulted in the women of West Virginia suffering in many ways that we don't have to. So we wanted to address that. Democrats also continue to chastise House Bill 4564, calling it a book ban bill. That bill opens public and school libraries up to felony charges for the display or dissemination of obscene material to minors. It is done with committee and headed to the House floor tomorrow.
That Women's Bill of Rights, House Bill 5242, is now off the active agenda and in legislative limbo. It would put certain definitions of man and woman in code and determine who could use single-sex spaces like restrooms and locker rooms. Democrats call it the anti-trans bill. I spoke with the bill's sponsor, Delegate Kathy Hess Krauss, a Republican from Putnam County, asking her if the bill was fair to all. I believe so. We have men, we have women, we're just defining them. Um, what's the, what if somebody violates it? I don't see any penalty, any enforcement. What's the enforcement factor this here? Is, this, this bill is just a bill of definitions. Um, that way, any laws that we create, we have the definitions to go along with it. So there's really no enforcement clauses within the bill? No, no. This is purely a definition bill. And then what do you say to the people that get concerned about LGBTQ rights? This, this bill has nothing to do with any of that. This is defining male and female. This is giving definitions throughout our code. Simple as that. Simple as that. It's a bill of definitions. A public hearing was held where 20 speakers attended in opposition to the bill, seven in support of the bill. So as the bill was advancing through the House, it gained an amendment to remove an exception in the criminal code for marital rape. Brianna Heaney sat down with Delegate Mike Pushkin, a Democrat from Kanawha County, and Molly Kennedy, a community outreach director at the American Civil Liberties Union, to discuss the bill. We tried several times to get one of the Republican sponsors of the bill to come on the show and discuss it. They all declined. Hello, my name is Brianna Heaney. Today, I am sitting here with Molly Kennedy from the ACLU and Delegate Mike Pushkin, who is from the 54th District and is the chair of the Democratic Party here. Yep, here in West Virginia. Yes. Thanks. Thanks for yes. having us on. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, to start off the discussion, I'm going to quickly define some terms that we'll be using today. Gender refers to internal and social identity and often corresponds with, but is not synonymous with, sex. Sex refers to the biological characteristics such as chromosomes, hormones, and reproductive anatomy, which can change over time and be medically and legally altered. Cisgender refers to a person whose gender identity matches with the sex they were assigned to at birth. Ova, a female reproductive cell that can divide and give rise to an embryo. And sperm is a male reproductive cell. Okay. So first, first question that I have for both of you, I'll give both of you guys a chance to answer this. What are some actions the legislature should do to protect and empower women in the state? Well, uh, first of all, this bill is, uh, has an incorrect name. If you were talking about the, if we're talking about the bill that- We uh, haven't quite gotten to that yet. We mm -hmm. will get to that, but let's just first talk generally about Women in the state. Okay. I think and we could start we can with uh, uh, House Resolution uh, 27, I believe, which would allow voters uh, to vote on on reproductive health care, reproductive rights, and uh, let voters have a say so in, in this ban that has been imposed on the state on on reproductive health care. I think we should uh, pass the Fair Pay Act, Katherine Johnson Fair Pay Act. I think the women in the workplace deserve to get paid the same as their male counterparts. We need to address child care issues in this state. Uh, I don't want to take up all the time. I'm inter very interested to hear. Yeah, Here's, yeah. I, I think women in the state have been asking for a whole host of things. Uh, we've let fair pay just sit on the desk and not move. Um, we could address affordable childcare, we could address parental leave. There are all sorts of ways that we could help families in West Virginia thrive. Um, 
but again and again, the legislature shows that they're not interested in that. They're interested in bills like the Women's Bill of Rights. Talk to me about fair pay. I've heard some opponents of some of the bills that have been introduced say women are already paid fairly in the state. I think part of the problem here is that we're not even really spending time talking about the, the nuance of fair pay. We're ignoring that to focus on bills that punch down on transgender people, um, take away bodily autonomy from people. We're not even having those conversations. Um, so I would much rather hear them discuss the nuance of how we make fair pay equitable and make it fit for all West Virginians. Um, but again, I don't, I don't see that as the priority here. We're focused on these culture war issues. And the facts are women are not paid equally. Uh, I mean, the data shows that women make, uh, you know, on average 75 cents, 80 cents on the dollar compared uh, to men doing the same work. So it is something we should address. It's a bill that Democrats have, have introduced year after year, uh, the Katherine Johnson Fair Pay Act, and, and uh, Republican supermajority refuses to run it. Now, they have a bill that is currently pulled off the calendar that they erroneously call the Women's Bill of Rights. Uh, the Democratic House Caucus, which I'm a member of, we tried to amend in an actual Women's Bill of Rights into that bill, uh, which would have included, uh, you know, uh, addressing the child care crisis in the state. There's a lot of uh, young parents, not just women, young parents who have a hard time uh, being able to enter into the workforce because the uh, child care is not just, uh, it, it's, it's not just that it's unaffordable, it's inaccessible in some areas. There is not, a, you know, we have a child care crisis. There, um, also in that bill, we, we had uh, reproductive rights in general. Actually, all health care rights were in that bill. Um, uh, there were, uh, we actually made an actual real women's bill of rights. Unfortunately, the only part of our bill that got into the bill was removing an archaic uh, uh, part of code that actually exempted uh, people in a marriage from being charged with, uh, with sexual assault. Now, because we got that amendment in there, now the bill has been parked. Strangely enough, there are members of the Republican caucus that, that have a hard time voting for it because it exempts uh, because of that exemption that should have been removed from code a long time ago. Mm. All right. So the House bill that you guys are referring to, mm -hmm. House Bill 5243, um, a bill that replaces the word gender in state code with the word sex. Um, the bill also defines two sexes, male and female, and it prohibits um, trans people from being in certain places like bathrooms and locker rooms that are consistent with their gender identity. Um, let's talk about who this bill will impact. Um, I think, first of all, it's really important to note that when we start to micromanage what gender is and what we expect people to look like based on um, our assumptions about gender, it hurts everybody. So uh, there was a good example of this in Oklahoma, I believe a member of a school board called out a high school basketball player um, and uh, made a big to-do about them being a transgender player on the girls' team. And this girl's 
face was plastered everywhere, became the target of harassment. She wasn't transgender. She was a cisgender kid playing basketball, and she became a community target of harassment because a school board member decided that when she looked at her, her body build was bigger than she would have expected for a cisgender girl playing basketball. Um, there are all sorts of doors that we're going to be opening when we pass a bill like this. And so often the legislature does not think about all of the consequences and all of the unintended consequences that are going to come from a bill like this. Um, when we start to dig down and micromanage people like that, this is government overreach. And to call it a Bill of Rights is a mockery of the Bill of Rights. The Bill of Rights was intended to protect people from the government. And now we're putting forward this supposed Bill of Rights that offers no real rights to anyone and only is going to serve to harm some of the most marginalized people, but also has the potential to harm a whole lot of other people when we empower folks to feel like we get to decide what gender should and shouldn't be and look like. Okay, let's talk about harassment. Um, some of, I, I attended the public hearing and some of the, um, supporters of the bill say that this will protect young girls in locker rooms from feeling like their privacy is being violated or for being afraid of being sexually assaulted. Sexual assault is very much illegal. It's already a crime as well as it should be. Then that law should definitely be enforced to the fullest extent of the law. Harassment is also illegal. Uh, that's not what this bill is about. This bill that they call the Women's Bill of Rights is, has absolutely nothing to do with women and it, and it, it takes away rights. This is, this is nothing more than election year, uh, red meat, uh, culture war type bill that is meant just to uh, stir division, uh, hatred and fear because that's what some politicians feel they need to do in an election year to distract from the fact that they're actually not doing anything to address the real needs of West Virginians. We have a child care crisis in this state. We have a foster care crisis in this state. We don't have enough teachers in the classroom. We don't have enough correctional officers in our jails and prisons. They don't want to talk about anything because it actually takes hard work. What doesn't take much work are these uh, you know, culture war type bills that don't help improve the lives of anybody. But the problem with that is that this bill actually does harm. And it harms a, a, a already marginalized segment of our society that's been picked on long enough. They've been picked on long enough. And over the weekend, I received some calls from a few people uh, who, who are non-binary, uh, some transgender, and they're calling, asking if they should leave their state, the state that they were born and raised in, that they love, that they work in, that they pay taxes in. Uh, we shouldn't be you know, pointing to the other and creating division and creating hatred against a, a group of people that have been picked on for far too long anyway. Uh, I think most West Virginians are welcoming, accepting. They don't want to see people get picked on and definitely not by their elected officials in the legislature. The legislature needs to, you know, get together, work on the real issues addressing the state, not manufacturing, uh, uh, you know, outrage at, at, at people who don't deserve it. I think just to name it, locker rooms are usually uncomfortable for people. I've been in lots of locker I spent a lot of time in our public schools. I was a student in our public schools. I was a student teacher. I was a teacher. Being a kid is an awkward time. Changing in front of other people in those kinds of spaces is kind of an inherently uncomfortable thing. And I feel for anyone who's uncomfortable in those spaces. 
I think what we need to remember is that someone's discomfort at the mere existence of a trans person in their vicinity is really something for them to, to take, take some time to think about. And if they're uncomfortable being in a shared space and using it for its intended purpose alongside another person using it for its intended purpose, there are options. They can go in a stall and change. They can do other things to feel more comfortable for themselves. But that's certainly not a reason to kick anyone out of a space who is simply existing in it for the same reason that you are. Okay. What about protecting trans people? Um, the Office for Victims of Crime says that one in two trans people has been a victim of sexual assault. Putting trans, in a, putting trans people in a locker room or bathrooms with the opposite gender that they identify with, for example, putting a young trans girl in the bathroom with young trans boys, what harm or what risk of harm? Yeah. Look, this bill, like I said, it, it, it's simply the ugliest kind of election year politics. Like I said before, the problem with it is it the problem with it is it, it does real harm, and that's who it's likely to harm, uh, people who have been picked on long enough. Uh, I, just, I, yeah, I didn't come to the legislature to be a bully, and uh, when I see legislation like this, it's what I, it's, it's what I think of. It's, it's about you know, picking on people because they're different, singling people out because they may be different. And I just, you know, I've seen enough 80s thank movies you. to know yes. that bullies lose in the end. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for coming today. I appreciate you guys. Again, my name is Brianna Heaney. Thank you guys. Thank you for spending this time with us. Catch the legislature today, Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. And remember, West Virginia Public Broadcasting covers the session daily in our radio news program, West Virginia Morning, and on our news site at wvpublic.org. We also broadcast the daily floor sessions of both the House and the Senate on the West Virginia Channel. I'm Randy Yowie. For everyone here at WVPB, thanks for joining us. Have a great evening. Support for the legislature today is provided by West Virginia University, offering education, health care, and the opportunity to achieve career success since 1867. Information at go.wvu.edu slash forward. Join West Virginia Public Broadcasting for the nightly coverage of the 2024 legislative session. From in-depth reports to floor debates, committee action, and newsmaker interviews, the legislature today brings you diverse opinions and analysis. Legislators, stakeholders, and advocates all get a seat at the table discussing Mountain State policy and politics. Weeknights at 6 on West Virginia Public Broadcasting, 